What is going on, everybody? Josiah Leroy here. We are talking video games, video games, video games. It's Geek Scott Game, the Geek vs. All Video Game Podcast. With me today, my co-host, Mr. Jeff Pavlak. Good evening. So, uh, we're recording this a little bit earlier than normal, just due to a few scheduling conflicts uh, for Jeff and I. So, today, it's November 5th. You're hearing this uh, about a week and a half later, so keep that in mind. However, the, the primary topic for what we're going to be discussing is... Really not super time sensitive. Nope. So you can sit back, relax, enjoy that one. Uh, but let's start off the show. What's in your console? What are you playing? Jeff, uh, breaking out the handhelds yeah. here a little bit. One that I never touched before up until a couple weeks ago. We broke out, if you remember on the last episode of G3, the PlayStation Vita. Let it sit there and update while we were recording the show. Got through its update, and then we downloaded a game for it, which has not been touched in my hands since 2015. Yeah. What game was that? Uh, Dracula X Chronicles, originally released on the first PlayStation Portable. Um, I'm on a total Castlevania kick lately, uh, especially with the season two releasing of the show on Netflix, which I love to death. Please go read my review of that on the Geekiverse. Gave that one a very high score. I can't wait to see what comes next for that series. Um, but it's funny because Dracula X Chronicles, the primary game, is a remake of a 1993 Castlevania game. Um, but what they did was they, you know, they kept the 2D perspective, but they made um, all the character models in the backgrounds like 3D models instead. They you know, reorchestrated the soundtrack, all that. They added some new cutscenes, a couple new bosses here and there. Um, but I bought it expecting to play just the original version because the the total package is a bit of an anthology. So I was gonna go into it just to replay the original 1993 game. I haven't played that game in probably about 10 years, and what I've forgotten those 10 years is that a game that's now 25 years old, man, are the controls stiff. (laughs) The hit detection's a little wonky. You know, it still plays very well. I mean, those old-school Castlevania games were just so well-made, but the controls are just so stiff compared to, you know, modern 2D platformers. And I was doing terrible at it, so I ended up actually playing the like the remade version of it with the 3D models and all that. And I was really surprised at how much I enjoyed it. Um, I always prefer 2D sprites as opposed to like 3D models for like a 2D side scroller. Um, but with the reorchestrated music, the tighter controls, the new stuff that they added to the remake, I, I really enjoyed it. And I was glad I actually tried that out. Do you find um, when you go back and replay some of maybe just your all-time favorite games? Or maybe, let's say, less than your all-time favorite games. Just games that you remember enjoying a lot that they're not as... Maybe they don't hold up very well. Oh, yeah. Um, I mean, anytime I pick up Mario Kart 64 from the N64, I'm just... I can, I can barely play it. I'm just astounded at how... Oh, I'll say it. It's off. The, uh, the controls are just awful compared to, you know, more modern Mario Karts. Uh, that can happen. Uh, any Anything else you're playing at this time? Um, yeah, I've got Starlink in my Nintendo Switch. I'm playing that from time to time. Oh, Pretty fun right, game. That's right. That's right. Um, I really haven't dabbled too much with like the Toys to Life aspect of it because, as we've dis- uh, discussed on previous podcasts, you really don't need um, any of the, the add-ons or any of the NFC figures or anything like that. Um, so I just have the one that was the bundle for Star Fox that came with the R-Wing and all that. Um, don't even think I've touched it to the game yet. I've just played, you know, just like the digital version of it. It's a fun game. Um, I, it, it's, it's nice to be able to play a game where Star Fox, Star Fox is in a good game again. Nintendo has really dropped the ball with Star Fox games in recent years, so it's cool to have him in there, even as just kind of like a sidekick character 
for the whole universe. Um, the levels are really big. Um, there's a lot of content. Like if you want to dump a hundred hours into this, it's very easy to do so. Um, there, it's almost overwhelming how many different add-ons and weapons and menu and just different systems there are in there. So if you really want to like devote yourself to this, this is the kind of game that can hold you over for a long time if you're into it. So Target put out uh, the, kind of a pre-Black Friday ad for Black Friday, but they call it kind of like a, a primer. Uh, so instead of the ads leaking this year, they just were like, here, Internet, here you go. Yeah, just get it out of the way. <laughs> um, that game is on sale they're going to sell it for 39.99 it looks like which is a pretty good value. I would yeah, I would yeah, I would tell people if you're into the game and you have the opportunity to pick it up for that price, go for it. I think that's a very very good value for that game. I think Especially so too. Especially if it, if that bundle by some chance comes with any of the NFC figures. Cuz they are kind of cool to have. It it comes with at least a ship. Yeah. I don't know past that what it comes with. Okay. Um but you can google the Target Black Friday ad and it's there. Um for me I am actually, I, I may finish tonight, depending on what happens here, Shadow of the Tomb Raider, finally. it I love the modern Tomb Raider games from Crystal Dynamics. This one actually is from Eidos Montreal in conjunction with Crystal Dynamics because Crystal Dynamics is working on an Avengers game. But uh, I it's just, it, Shadow of the Tomb Raider came out at a tough time for me right after Spider-Man, right in the thick of NHL coming out. So those were my priority. And then we got a copy of Call of Duty, and then I was over playing that. All, like, there was no tomorrow. So it's been really hard for me to, to, to play this consistently. I've played it so sp- spottily, if that's a word. Uh, it's not, but I know what you're saying. Y- yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, and it, that's not good for a game like this, like, like an Uncharted where you need yeah. to kind of just play it. it. It's not super long. Uh, this I'm surprised actually how short this main story is because I'm pretty sure I've played the game for about six or seven hours and I'm almost at the the end of it already. Oh, that's a bummer. But on top of it, it's a very different Tomb Raider game from the prior or the previous two. Not in the gameplay so much, but in the fact that believe it or not, it has very heavy RPG elements at times. So uh, you've always had your crafting abilities. You're able to to upgrade your weapons, all the, the standard things that you would see in, an, in a game such as Tomb Raider. However, when you go to a certain portion of the map, it is full. It's inhabited with, with individuals that you can talk to. That's There's cool. no shortage of people that can give you side missions. You go up and talk to them, and it's almost like you would see in a Mass Effect game. You don't have the dialogue options, but like the camera pans up to Lara when she's talking, and then it shows the person who's talking when they're talking. It's very unorthodox for a Tomb Raider game, but they have more of an emphasis on exploration, which is good because that's what Tomb Raider was built on. It yeah. more of that than the the actiony piece. Interesting. So, I wasn't into it at first, but as time has gone on, I've really enjoyed it. And those side missions probably add quite a bit to the game. Um, so I, I may go back and try to to get closer to a hundred percent. I'm not sure if if I will, but either way, I think this will be a nice kind of stamp to to end this this trilogy um i'm playing a lot of nhl 19 still that has really not left my console i i can't say enough good things about it you know that if you've listened to the show and you can read my review at the geekiverse.com um let's see here we've got a few games coming out this month that i know i'm going to be all over uh so for this segment here we'll give you our picks of the month basically our recommendations uh, some of the games we've played demos on, some we've only seen impressions on, 
But these are our recommendations. Uh, if you've got a, a limited budget, these are the ones you should pick up. Um, Bob, like, do you want to give a pick first? Yeah, okay. uh, I'll go back to a few days ago. Um, Diablo three uh, dropped on the Switch uh, with the Immortal Edition. It's got all the DLC built into it, plus the original game. A uh, little bit of extra stuff. I know there's a um, armor set that makes you look like Ganondorf from the Legend of Zelda series, which is I me mean, only appropriate if it's going to be on yeah. a Nintendo console. That's incredible. That yeah, we're getting a Diablo on, on Nintendo. Um, first Blizzard game since StarCraft '64, which I believe was late '99, maybe 2000 at the earliest. Yeah. So that relationship has never been there between the two companies. It's it's definitely cool to see the Switch kind of bridging the two, two gaming icons together. What does it speak to the quality and? Yeah. Um, I guess maybe I don't know if willingness is the the right word for it, but anyway, the relationship between Nintendo and third parties is is strong again. Right. Thank goodness. And Diablo three is a perfect kind of game on the Switch. Um, it is. It, it, you can pick. You know, you can kind of pick up and play whenever you really want, which is you know speaks to the handheld nature of it. Uh, but then also, um, the Switch is going to be ideal for local multiplayer sessions because. You could do local multiplayer with Diablo 3 on the other consoles, but if you played all on one screen, your characters were locked to just that one screen. You couldn't really run off and do whatever you wanted because your character would be tethered. You, you had to have all four characters on screen at once. So you could run in a different direction if you wanted, but you would only be able to go so far before you had to stop. In theory, if you if you and your friends are all playing with your own Switch consoles, you could go into handheld mode and have your own screen and just kind of go off and do whatever you want then. You don't necessarily have to have all four characters on your screen at once because there's four screen, you know, anywhere between two to four screens being used. So I think Diablo's local multiplayer is going to be ideal for the Switch platform. I think so too. The the take it and go also it just speaks to me mm-hmm. i think that's a game you may you can play in small doses if you want or yeah, you no, could totally. marathon it you know 100 um i'm gonna give a game so i've had a tough two months here since we started doing this uh obviously this being the second time last month i recommended bendy and the ink machine got delayed uh right after we recorded that episode oh i can tell you all about things i love getting delayed <laughs> yes uh public is the uh authority in uh, in all of that, <laughs> there's something on the keyboard. I hit it. Just I don't know. What it, it it's all good. It's all good. Uh, but Bendy comes out November twentieth. The complete collection. There's five chapters there. Um, Xbox One, PS4, PC. Can't wait to get my hands on that. A game I was going to recommend uh, no, for November sixth. Overkills the Walking Dead, which is a, a, a shooter version of the Walking Dead franchise. Tough year for Walking Dead. I know. Uh, got delayed on Xbox One and PS4. I learned today uh, until February of 2019. So I was actually talking to the PR firm, talking about the review copy, and they said, hey, Xbox is not coming out till February now. So I'm like, what? When did this happen? Man, Rick leaves the show. Telltale. <laughs> Telltale. Uh. It's just an <laughs> ugly year for The Walking Dead. Yeah, well, if you've been a Walking Dead fan, though, you should be used to depressing demoralizing <laughs> things let's be serious it's very authentic <laughs> uh so i'm gonna wait to talk about the walking dead until february's uh, episode of geeks got game but uh i'm at bendy and the ink machine i think that's a, a slam dunk you can play four of the chapters on steam right now if you're a console player um it's gonna be brand new to you also it is coming to nintendo switch on the 20th so Ooh, alongside yeah. xbox and ps4 i think the switch is the perfect platform for that game do you have another game yeah, um, I got to be honest, when we first saw Fallout 76 at E3, 
I was a little tentative about it, especially that whole, the, you know, the very pervasive online aspect to it. But the more we've learned about its online feature, I've actually become more and more interested. I think they're setting it up to be very, very connected between players. And I think it's going to be very impressive how your actions can impact another player's in-game world. Um, I'm, I'm very impressed by the amount of connectivity that they're um, implying between uh, you know, your different online profiles and whatnot. The, uh, the line at E3 for Fallout 76 was just unreal. It was always wrapped around. It was like a six-hour wait. The That's show was not even <laughs> seven hours some days. So, so it sounds about right. <laughs> uh, it was, and I don't even know if it was playable on that first day. It was just crazy. But uh, yeah, Fallout 76 is, I don't, I don't know what this one's going to do. It feels like the hype going into it has been a little bit quieter than what we would have seen for like uh, Fallout 4, for example. Yeah. But um, I don't know. I hope it does well. It's Bethesda. Usually there's a high level of quality there. Usually you get your bugs early on and then they, 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 they send some updates through. Uh, I didn't know if we were going to talk about that one, so I'm glad you did. Yeah. Uh, uh, I'm getting excited for it. The other one for me, um, I'm actually only going to go with two. I was going to go also for a third one with Battlefield Five because that's just been speaking to me lately. But I am going to go with a classic, Spyro Reignited. If you weren't going to say it, I was. Uh, had to. So ironically, again, a game that was delayed from September, uh, but this is coming out November 13th. So by the time you hear this, uh, it'll be right there. Uh, but this is the original three games in the Spyro trilogy uh, developed by the same studio that brought you Crash Bandicoot Insane Trilogy from last year. They did such a magnificent job with that, building it from the ground up. This is not just updated graphics, folks. They rebuilt the game engine, rebuilt the levels completely, um, and it was one of my favorite games of the year. Love Crash Bandicoot. Spyro, I didn't play that much back in the day on the original PlayStation. I um, I had a demo of it. It was like it came with a Pizza Hut. <laughs> uh, they used to give demo discs with, with stuffed crust pizzas. So that was a thing for the longest time. What demo are you getting this time? So I had a Spyro demo of the original game and uh that was enough for me to kind of play through and i never got into it but i'm really excited to get into it now and um vicarious visions is the name of the studio they do a great job i think after this they should develop a brand new crash bandicoot game yeah. one that's never been done before not or a brand a, new spyro either one spyro would be fine i think either way they'd uh they'd be great so happy to see spyro back happy to see crash back and on different systems, by the way. So right. Spyro and Crash, both playable on Xbox and Nintendo consoles, right. which is kind of crazy if you you would have thought 20 years ago, hey, you know, these are PlayStation exclusives, and that was when PlayStation was really building a brand for itself. Yeah, so, I mean, those were the games that were going head-to-head with, like, Super Mario 64, as proven that the original PlayStation could have iconic platforming yeah. characters on their system. Absolutely awesome. Uh, those built the PlayStation brand, really. They really did, and it was uh, it was quite the uh, the early building blocks for the the franchises, respective franchises. Next month, uh, there's not not a lot to choose from, but we'll we'll have our our picks for December. I know what I'm picking. Uh, I think I do too. <laughs> I've got an honorable mention as well, so uh, we'll come back for those next month but uh, let us know in the comments. Go to social media, Facebook.com/slash/TheGeekiverse, Twitter. We are at the underscore Geekiverse, and you can find us on Instagram as well. We'd love to hear what games you're picking up this month, uh, what games you picked up in October, and um, what you know what's occupying your console right now. We're going to get to the news real quick. There's only one news item we want to talk about before we jump into 
the meat of today's episode. One thing I did want to mention is, speaking of Diablo, did you know that Diablo 4 was supposedly going to be announced? Yes. I uh, just saw that. Yep. So that, Well, because BlizzCon was the, just this past weekend. So I uh, don't really know what happened, but got pulled from the show. Uh, so, you know, obviously that that will be happening at some point. And the beauty of it is it's on consoles. It's on the Nintendo Switch. Hoping maybe that comes to those platforms closer to launch next time. Oh, definitely. Uh, but that was a little tidbit. Red Dead Redemption 2, uh, the biggest game in October, one of the biggest games of a generation. Uh, Rockstar pitched it as the biggest entertainment opening weekend of all time, revealing that, according to Forbes.com, Red Dead Redemption 2 has sold $725 million worth of copies in the first three days of release. Woo! Came out on a Friday which is kind of becoming the norm for video games here in North America. Uh, in contrast, Grand Theft Auto V sold $1 billion worth of copies in its first three days. I kind of thought Red Dead had uh, a chance to catch it, but I think Grand Theft Auto is kind of the biggest brand name when it comes to yeah, no, that's gaming in the world. I Yeah, that, I, that's a fair statement. What's funny is uh, they say only, quote-unquote only, but Black Ops 4 only netted... $500 million in sales in its first three days. It's a pretty damn good stat. I know, right? That's, that's a very nice silver medal right there. Yeah. Oh, sorry. He made half a bill there. Well, you know, grossed half a bill. But um, some things from the Forbes article say they had the perfect storm of this being a sequel to a hugely beloved game, uh, which it's funny because Red Dead Redemption, in a way, wasn't really the first in, in the franchise. Uh, but a lot of people don't know that with Red Dead Revolver coming out in the early 2000s. Yeah. Um, incredible critical reviews declaring it one of the best games of the year. And the fact that Rockstar rarely releases new games. So when they do, it's an earth-shattering event. Right. It's really true. Yeah. It's it's more than Bethesda. Bethesda, I think, does a good job. You wait between Skyrim and Fallout. Or Elder Scrolls and Fallout, I should say. Here, it's almost a rotation with GTA and Red Dead Redemption now. And, man, when it comes out, it's just got a different level of quality to it. kind of raises the bar. Um, Red Dead Redemption 2 sales, uh, another, this is from VentureBeat.com, uh, has sold about 70% as well as GTA V. Uh, let's see. For the estimate for sales, the projections for this initial quarter, they're at 15 million copies, which they preach would be a conservative number. Uh, and they said that investor expectations are at 20 million copies. We're talking some serious numbers here. That's that's huge. And no PC. Right. So this is just Xbox One and PS4. Right. Can Rockstar do any wrong? Apparently not. They can't. What is GTA 6 going to look like in it, the future? And I think it's kind of cool, too. Like, Red Dead Redemption is a Western, which that's a genre that you don't really see too much of in any medium anymore. Like you think about westerns, westerns were huge in the 1950s and 60s, but that that kind of that like setting, you don't really see a lot even in movies anymore, aside from you know a, a, you know an art house or you know smaller budget production nowadays. So it's it's incredible just how how huge Red Dead Redemption is. It's unbelievable. I uh, I played just a few hours of it and I enjoyed it very much so far. Uh, it's it's a game I really want to sit back and dive into. The uh, the main story I've heard is sixty hours. That's huge. Well, that's the other thing too. The, the these Rockstar games are just loaded, loaded with content. 
You can talk to everybody in the world. Um, there's no shortage of things to do. The land is big, but it doesn't feel empty. They've uh, they've done a good job. The pacing is deliberately slow because it's it's end of the 1800s. Uh, think cowboys essentially. Yeah, yeah it's but wild they're, west. They're slow moving, kind of slow talking, a little laid back, and that's how it is. One thing that was of note that I, I've seen a lot on Twitter too is there's a lot of um, options not to kill folks you can antagonize them you can try to do things peacefully and it's true there's very few shootouts i've gotten into so far and it's kind of a nice thing a nice change of pace uh you know i'm all for the the modern shooter but when it comes to to a game like this it's nice to have those options so this kind of got me thinking uh it's something i proposed to the idea to jeff a few weeks ago when just via text uh this year we've gotten no shortage of, of really, really high-scoring games, critically critically acclaimed games. We've got Red Dead Redemption 2. We had another juggernaut in sales and uh, some pretty high scores for Call of Duty Black Ops 4. We got God of War in April, which is just a landmark game uh, for the PlayStation and for gaming in general. We got Spider-Man in September, which, again, is a PlayStation-exclusive just an absolutely marvelous, if you will, video game. And then a bunch of other high-quality titles sprinkled in between. And um, the Geekiverse gave God of War a 10. We gave a game, a smaller game that you probably haven't heard of called Samsara, a 9.75 out of 10. Uh, you can check out our review there. That's a, a puzzler. So it got us Fort, thinking... I believe Forza. Forza got, got a 10, a 10 as 10. well. Thank you for reminding me. Uh, Forza Horizon 4, Andrew Garvey gave that a 10. So we've, we've had a lot of high-scoring games, and this year we kind of made a conscious effort to, to be more critical. So here we are giving these perfect scores, and, and you know we're really doing a good job overall of calling a spade a spade. But got us thinking, what is, you know, is this the best year in, in gaming ever? I would say probably not, but it's damn close. It's a contender. There's a lot. There's no for shortage now. of things coming out, and, and there's stuff for everyone. At every turn, in every genre, and then we started thinking about years that we we loved ourselves, game you know gaming years that were important to us. So uh, we're not so much debating what is the best year in gaming history, but if we had to go to to battle with a year, these are kind of the years that I you know we would these are the hills to die upon. I want a battle. All right, I want a battle. Listen to it. this guy. <laughs> Good thing Zelensky's not here. So. Uh, we're gonna. T- this is the meat of the episode here. The primary topic: the best year in gaming. Uh, Pavlok, we'll we'll have you go first here, and you've got a a pretty legendary year yes, overall. I'd like to think. I think you do. So take us through your thought on the year and why you chose it, and then we can dive into some of the games. I picked 1998. So you and I were fresh-faced eight-year-old kids playing video games. Seven uh, for for most of. True, yeah, yeah, unless it was holiday. Right, we're summer babies, (laughs) so yeah, you're right. Um, So we, I mean, maybe I won't speak for you, but I'll speak for myself. I definitely did not appreciate what what we were experiencing back then the way I would now uh, today. Um, But I look back on that year, um, you know, the the general market was smaller. You only had N64, the original PlayStation, um, PC, and then uh, Game Boy, Game Boy Color. Um, depending on which one you were playing. So the market was smaller, but I look at that year and I look at the games that were coming out and I feel like so many of these games 
still influence the industry two decades later. Um, N64 had Legend of Zelda Ocarina of Time, which is pretty much indisputably the biggest Legend of Zelda game in the franchise. Uh, forever changed 3D action adventure games, brought in the day-night system for the first time, um, brought in the uh, at-will toggling between first-person and third-person views in an action adventure game. It, the time travel was um, iconic at the time. It's just, that's, it's, you know, people to this day say that's still Nintendo's greatest game of all time, and many would argue that it, it's just, in general, the greatest game of all time. So you had that. You had Banjo-Kazooie on N64, 1080 snowboarding, Turok 2 Seeds of Evil, which was a first-person shooter that got a kind of remaster a couple years ago, but I think it was only on like PC or um, like Xbox Live Arcade, PlayStation Store, whatnot. But even if you play the original version of that from 1998, it still holds up well. Like It wouldn't have needed that much cleaning up to still feel like a cutting-edge first-person shooter. Um, you had F-Zero X, Rogue Squadron, Mm-hmm. From N64, uh, one of my favorite N64 games, and it, you know, still one of my favorite Star Wars games of all time. Um, in addition to the Nintendo side, you had Pokemon Red Blue releasing in uh, North America and Australia for the very first time. Those two games originally released in Japan in 1996, but they only made their way international in 1998. And I mean, with the release release of those games, the rest is history. Pokemon is. Yeah, I would say Nintendo's biggest brand, maybe not the biggest video game brand, but just Nintendo's biggest brand in general yeah. because the biggest it, license. Yes, it, encomp- it, it encompasses so much more than just video games. Between the card games, the the movies, the TV show, all the merchandise. Um, do you still play Pokemon Go? I do not, but that's another. I mean, I can't believe how many people do. They that's it's fine. Still, just, usually yeah. those fads kind of die out, but that is still going strong. I mean, obviously that game was universal when it first came out literally everyone down the st- down your street was playing it we and it's not that right your birthday yes <laughs> and we you know pavlox got a million friends so we're, we're all at uh gordon biersch yes that so, year no so, we start yes we started gordon we started gordon biersch started gordon biersch and uh you know we turn around pavlox and 10 of his friends are gone we see him across the street we're all with their phones you know it was it was <laughs> in my defense i told you where i was going i said guys i'll be right back we gotta go we gotta go take it this was gym. loud in there uh, but it was it was great and i i love i love just the childlike glow and it, it it's hard to say it's just plain on un- un- adulterated fun Pokemon's crazy because I guarantee you that the vast, vast majority of its fans are in their 20s or older. Like, you know, it obviously yeah. has, the, it obviously appeals to children and it has that colorful, very family friendly vibe. But I guarantee you the most, the vast majority of diehard fans are, you know, people in their 20s or 30s because that's what they grew up on. And yeah. now we have the disposable income to buy as many cards as we want or play, you know, put in as many hours into the games as we want. We understand the mechanics better. We're more competitive now that we're older. It's so different, too. And I'm looking at, honestly, just a Wikipedia list, but it's pretty all-inclusive here for 1998. There's really not that many releases overall. Right, because it was a smaller market back then. Nowadays, you have countless games you right. cannot play everything there are not no, enough hours can't. in the day to play everything you good just, luck you know if, if you and i had been doing this in 1998 old enough obviously but if we were running something like we do now we could have gotten to all of these feasibly <laughs> right in some way shape or form to review them and talk about them and games were smaller just much smaller. for the for, you know content wise and density wise um it's funny how it works yeah I, but i mean it, i just listened to nintendo games before 
going into PlayStation, you also had some major, major titles. You had Tekken 3, which is widely regarded as not just one of the best Tekken games of all time, one of the best fighting games of all time. Uh, the first Gran Turismo came out back then. Oh, my gosh. Huge. Metal Gear Solid releases that Landmark. year. Absolutely. I mean, that's a perfect way to describe it. Resident Evil 2. You know, the reason why everyone's freaking out about the Resident Evil 2 remake from E3 is because this original game launched and uh, made a huge impact on that franchise. Uh, Crash Bandicoot 3 warped Spyro the Dragon, the first one, comes out back then. Uh, you had the first Dead or Alive. You had Final Fantasy Tactics. Even PC was seeing a lot of really, really big games back then. You had Tom Clancy's, Six Rainbow, uh, sorry, Tom Clancy's Rainbow Six releasing for the first time. Um, that gets you know the whole series started between Rainbow Six Vegas, Rainbow Six Siege. Um, this predates Ghost Recon and Splinter Cell. You had the first Half-Life, which would you know yeah. jumpstart one of the most you know, one of the most revered franchises of all time. Grim Fandango, we were talking about before we even went on the air. I don't think uh, before I was researching this, I realized that came out back then. The very first StarCraft, which is still um, a very iconic plot uh, property from Blizzard. The first Baldur's Gate, the first Unreal game, which would eventually lead to Unreal Tournament. Fallout 2, Civilization 2. You just had so many iconic series that either originated this year or had a landmark entry drop that would forever influence the projection of the franchise, uh, most of which are still relevant, if not you know outright prominent, 20 years later. Even uh, on November, November 20th of 1998, Tomb Raider 3, I'm seeing. Okay, yeah. Um, you know, not oft revered as a, a great game, but I'm just saying, uh, you know, we're talking about, what are we talking about? The games we're recommending here. This month, we're talking about Spyro, Fallout, <laughs> and last month, kind of the same thing. Dude. What are we talking about 20 years ago, if we're talking about right. it? Spyro, Fallout, uh, Crash Bandicoot, I just mentioned as well. Crash Bandicoot Warped, one of my, it might be my favorite PlayStation original game of all time. Uh-huh. Played the heck out of it. I played so much of it. Ask Jamie and Amanda from the Gigaverse. Like we, anytime we'd get together for for holidays, that was it. it. We were locked up in in the room and we were playing Crash Bandicoot three. Right, unbelievable. Um, and Spyro, like you said, Spyro launched that year. Metal Gear launched that year, so it was really a prominent year for for some of those launches. And all, imagine all those new IPs. Yeah, I mean, that doesn't happen. So anymore. many different franchises got their start this year and are still relevant today. Did you mention DDR? I did not know. So actually. Dance Dance Revolution. So I didn't even go. realize. There's another one. Um, that's kind of amazing. That kind of that you was know, kickstarts the. How many, what what it, well how what genre, genre do you describe that as? Like music, I, rhythm? rhythm. Okay, yeah. I would say it was but, the spiritual predecessor sure. to the Guitar Hero games, right? The rock with the band accessories games. and whatnot. Yeah. Um, in, in way ahead of its time. Way ahead of its time. When I worked at uh at GameStop. Baldur's Gate was a game that people asked about constantly. Yes. Couldn't keep it in stock. Those, it fan, ever came in, those fans are nuts about it. Absolutely nuts. That you know, huge. To a much lesser degree, even uh, the original South Park game. Uh, now, obviously, all these right. years later, we got two pretty critically acclaimed RPGs in that that world. But I remember it was one of the first gaming magazines I got. It was uh, PlayStation Magazine, actually. A U.S. PlayStation Magazine, and they talked about the South Park game coming well, surprise, up. Surprise, surprise! I got Nintendo Power back. In the day. <laughs> it's uh, you know, little, sometimes things never change over, over time here, but uh, you picked a really good year. Well, if I'm not mistaken, okay, um, the South Park movie came out in 1999, so they were they were so- trying to tie South it Park. In. Well, yeah, South Park was really starting to take off in the late 90s, like that. Because let me check real quick. When did that actually debut? Hmm. 
Uh, South Pearl. Even Panzer Dragoon, like they that's yes. talked about in the highest. Okay, Nineteen ninety seven. Gotcha. So I gotcha. mean that game is uh only a year after the series debuts and it's I mean that series was just so controversial at the time that it released mm-hmm. because you really didn't see especially primetime cable animation touching the subjects that no. South Park did. So it's, uh, it's a different time, that's for sure. I'll never forget my my older sister, God love you, Audrey. You let me and my old but me, eight year old me and my brother, who must have been twelve at the time, watch it the one time she was babysitting <laughs> us. She's like, You cannot tell mom and dad. <laughs> and we never did until about twenty years later. Oh, when man. we finally let the cat cat out of the bag. <laughs> <laughs> that's uh that's awesome. That's uh that's how it's done. Uh, Grim Fandango, man. So yeah. we got that remake just a few years ago as well. It's just Tenchu released that year for the first time. I can't believe it. Just looking uh, at the list. Even uh, Oddworld. Yeah, Oddworld, uh, Abe's Exodus, sequel to the original game. Myth 2 Soul Blighter on PC. Like I said, PC had some really big stuff back then, too. So whether you were a PC gamer, whether you were, you know, get into the PlayStation, whether you were a diehard Nintendo fan, that, there was great stuff everywhere. Um, even Game Boy had some big stuff. Because if I'm not mistaken, yes, Game Boy Color released that year. So you went from the blocky brick, um, nothing but gray, eight you know, eight bit uh, original Game Boy to Game Boy Color, which was a slimmer, much smaller or much lighter, I should say, um, physical console, and then just the upgrade in the color palette. Link's Awakening DS comes out for that, which was um, a colorized, enhanced remake of Link's Awakening, a Legend of Zelda game, on the on the original Game Boy. So that comes out back then. So you two, you have at least two versions of two really, really huge games in the Legend of Zelda series come out that year. Look, Breath of the Wild doesn't happen without Ocarina of Time. Ocarina of Time transcended video games and the Legend of Zelda franchise. It's uh, it's truly a legendary year. Uh, I don't think I don't think I could ever name another year. I we've looked through the years, uh-huh. and there were definitely some that I I completely respect if someone picks it but I don't know if there will ever be a more important year in video games than 1998. Probably so not with all the new IPs at the time. Yeah, that, so that's why I picked that one. Would you say it was um, part of your formative gaming years in that sense? Like it really yeah. made, it cemented your love of gaming? Yeah, um, because I, I was born in 1990, but I, and I, I played original Nintendo. I played um, Super Nintendo a bit, but I, I really didn't understand or appreciate gaming the, in the, in those years, I didn't really start to develop my just passion for the for the medium and the art form until I was you know eight, nine, ten, get into those years. So this was this was like my just the like the roots of you know my video game love. I think uh, transitioning to mine, if you're good, I'm good. Uh, 2011 is the year for me, and that it might sound a little too recent for for a lot of you. Nonsense. Uh, my thought is. Uh, you know, I was always a gamer, but I really became a gamer, if you will. Like, it really became a part of my life, uh, solidified, I would say, this year. This was the year where I, you know, every big release was something that I was saving for. I was in college, um, you know, working part-time job. This was the about eight to nine months that I worked at GameStop. So everything was in my face. It was coming out, working the midnight releases is how I met Sam Budzinski. Uh, so she she was my boss at GameStop for a Fellow little bit. Geekiverser. Yeah, that's right. And um, everything that came out was just something I wanted to get my hands on. It was so much fun working those midnight releases, having people come out, and just sharing in the excitement and passion, and just talking with you about the games that were coming out. It was one of the the things I loved most about GameStop. Um, 
you know, maybe you don't want that as your permanent job, but it, it was a fun time for me. Anyway, my favorite game of all time that I've referenced over and over is Batman Arkham City. That came out in the thick of everything, directly in the middle of the, the fall gaming season there with all the major AAA releases. So I think the, the best way to start this for me is what I kind of mentioned to Pavlok pre-show here. I'm going to go through the top 10 games in terms of average score from Metacritic. So Metacritic takes all the reviews from these these big uh, accredited publications, puts them together, averages them out, and this is what you get. 10. Dead Space 2. Good game. Um, I would say... Very good game. I don't know if I like it better than the original, but it was close. I don't know if I could either because I really liked... I really liked the isolation factor of the original. Me too. Um, and the no I, voice thing was cool too. Yeah, but I mean, Dead Space Two was still a very, very worthy sequel. Wonderful. It, it was very close. If if not, I can't remember which one I like better. I one sticks with me. Yeah. Do you know? I think I've brought this up before. In the original Dead Space, I only used the wire cutter and yeah. I had an achievement for it. I didn't know it was an achievement. Uh, you brought it up on <laughs> one of our podcasts, and I remember being shocked when I heard that. I was like, what? I didn't know. I just I had such success with it, and you could turn it sideways to shoot or have it up up and down vertically. Um, and I just, I don't know. I had success with it. I went all the way, and I, I just slayed the boss with it. I didn't even play on like the, the easiest setting. I didn't play in the hardest setting either, so whatever the middle ground was. But hey, you know. There's probably people out there who have absolutely toiled and labored away trying to beat the game like that. Yes. You know, dying left and right. Like, oh, <laughs> I'm never going to do this. And you're just and you're accomplishing it without even realizing it. I, I fell into it. Like, I stumbled across it. it Sai was... has no idea what he's achieving. <laughs> I had no idea. It was just a blast. Completely blithe about no it. No idea. Blissfully unaware. Um, ninth on the list, October 11th. Of that year, Forza Motorsport 4. Very, I would very say the good. biggest uh, Forza, Forza to that point. Uh, Xbox 360 exclusive from Turn 10 Studios. Obviously, we see where we're at. Forza Horizon 4 paves the way for that series. Um, it, it is one of the most popular games of the entire year this year. So, big year for uh, Xbox's flagship car franchise. Number eight, I actually don't think I ever played this, uh, but Little, Little Big Planet 2. I played the first one a lot. Okay. But this came out early in the year for PlayStation 3. Uh, let's see, much, January 18th. Much, much bigger version of the original Little Big Planet. Took that concept and just expanded it to its uh, Loads rifle of customization. Yes. <laughs> it was, uh, I did, uh, the original I played a lot with, with Cam Powell. We had both just gotten PlayStation 3s that year. And one of the first games we bought was Little Big Planet. Couple of sackheads. Got it. Sack Couple boys. Sack boys. Uh, number seven. For the Xbox 360, one of their biggest titles that fall, Gears of War 3, arguably the most popular Gears of War game. You really? I would say so. Okay. I don't know the fan base too well. Two or three. Three online was nuts. Okay. I had friends who played that more than Halo. I see. Okay. Uh, who were also Halo fans. So uh, that was a good entry point in terms of multiplayer for the series. Uh, I went back and played all all three campaigns, but uh, Gears of War 3, that was the height. Probably the height of its popularity, I would say. Uh, still going strong. We'll get Gears 5 soon. But uh, 6, Rayman Origins came out that year uh, quietly. Yeah. And then became really popular and then eventually just released for every system ever. Right. So it started off on the Wii. Very evergreen. Very nature. evergreen. <laughs> it really did. And then they just started doing these annual releases with it. It was like Xbox 360, then Xbox One. Whatever comes out next, it'll be on that. Um, and then we get into the nitty gritty. Some of the... 
not just the highest scored games that year, but some consider these, these are on best games of all time lists. Number five, think about this, number five, uh, Uncharted 3, Drake's Deception. Uh, a lot of people think two is the best. I, I personally loved three, uh, but I remember it was a conversation with Sam. I was like, should I, should I, should I go back and play Uncharted 1 and 2 before 3 comes out? Because it seems like a really cool game. She's like, oh, it's like playing through a movie. She's like, you got to go get it. So I picked up the collection, went through it, and um, to this day, it's one of my favorite franchises. Number four, Legend of Zelda Skyward Sword. For the original Nintendo Wii, this came out later in the year, November 20th. Um, this would have been a day one purchase for you, obviously. Oh yeah, I remember grabbing it from GameStop with the bundle that had the golden Wii remote oh, and the yes. so- and the soundtrack. I forgot about that because it was the first fully orchestrated Zelda game. And this would have been a Sunday release, if I remember correctly. It was. Which uh, I remember not having. You know, I did work that Sunday. I normally didn't work Sundays, but they were like, "Hey, we <laughs> we need help for uh, there, there's a release on Sunday." I'm like, "Who releases games on Sundays?" Nintendo used to. You know what's nuts too? Skyward Sword is very, very polarizing in the Zelda fan base. Yeah. There's a lot of pe- there's a lot of fans who abhor it. Uh-huh. It's, it's probably the most divisive of the 3D Zeldas. It's interesting. Yeah, uh, a lot of people did not like the a lot of people did not like the motion controls, which I can kind of understand. They were a little um, they were a little much. They based the whole game around them. Um, there wasn't quite as much exploration involved in that. It was a little more linear storyline. The the there wasn't quite the open world feel. You would have to kind of like fast travel between a lot of points. It would uh, be tough. Uh, you know that was the height of motion gaming. So yeah. we had the we we had even. To a lesser degree, the Kinect for the Xbox 360, they were trying to make it work. PlayStation Move didn't end up sticking around. Nope. <laughs> uh, so I understand where that's coming from, but it's probably more the the concept for the mechanics than oh, yeah, because the actual follow-through. The, the Skyward Sword was meant to be like the culmination of the Wii for Nintendo. Hey, we built the system with the motion controls. Now we're going to take our most revered IP and build an entire adventure around it. And I still love Skyward Sword. I do recognize its flaws, but uh, still... Uh, definitely one of my favorite games from that generation. Uh, number three, very revered game. Believe it or not, I've never played this one. Uh, Portal 2. Oh, it's one of my favorites. <laughs> I know. I, I think, I don't remember if I have it or not in my Xbox library. I think it might have been a Games with Gold game. But uh, I remember it just never going on sale. I always wanted to play it when I was working at GameStop. Never went on sale. It was always full price. Even when it came in used, it was so expensive because it sold so well. It's a Valve game. Um, and Valve, you know, supposedly getting back into game development here. So hopefully we see some of that. But uh, Portal 2 is one of the goats. It is. I would say that's easily one of the best games of all time. It's, uh, it's, it's highly revered. Speaking of highly revered, number two on the list, uh, Elder Scrolls V Skyrim, just a legendary game. Came out on 11-11-11. And uh, I worked that midnight release with, our good friend TJ Luckman, he was on the Geekiverse to do our solo spoiler cast and um, just great times uh, at that release. Everyone's dressed up like a Viking. <laughs> um, I was not super familiar with the Elder Scrolls franchise at that point. Uh, I was a little bit green in my, my gaming years, but man, was that a popular, popular release. And we just got a string of releases for it throughout the years. Oh yeah, it's been released on practically every system possible at this point. <laughs> I thought <laughs> that the, can hold it, that can handle it. Anything that can handle it. So we got it on Switch, which is really awesome. Uh, Xbox One. I finally played it earlier this year. I, I had p- touched it a little bit in the past, but 
I finally like put time into it this year. Um, I unfortunately think I missed the boat on it because, you know, we're we're here seven years after release. But there are people I know that spent six hundred hours on that game. Like you, you play a game like that's it. Skyrim is your one game. There's people who associate the Elder Scrolls like brand strictly with Skyrim. Like they'll tell you, "Oh, I'm a big fan of Skyrim." Well, you mean Elder Scrolls? No, Skyrim. They think they're taught. They think that Skyrim is the name of the franchise. It's like saying that, tissues or Kleenex right. interchangeably. Like or, or like like or Breath of the Wild is Zelda. Right. Like, like that. Like people. Like there are some people. It, it broke into the mainstream so forcefully that some people associate Sky, uh, Elder Scrolls strictly with Skyrim. Unbelievable uh, how how well it's done. It's been released for everything. <laughs> um, the the great joke at E3 this year, kudos to Bethesda for doing this during their, their conference, that they were releasing uh, an Amazon Alexa version of this, essentially, <laughs> where you all it's all voice-controlled. and um, that That's a great commercial. Go Google it if you didn't see it. But... Uh, Elder Scrolls Five Skyrim, and what's even more significant to me is that Oblivion came before that, which was right. very huge uh, game, huge game, and one of the most popular of its time. And then Skyrim comes along, and kind of it's like, oh, what about Oblivion? So you know, think about that. Number one on the list, my number one game of all time, uh, very special game to me. I've I think I've bought this on three different systems myself. Uh, Batman arkham city from rocksteady studios rocksteady what are you working on what are you working on i know you're working on something here so the second in a three-part trilogy of course for the arkham series if you don't count origins because rocksteady did not produce that game correct uh but the uh october 18th that came out for a playstation 3 and xbox 360 an average metacritic score of 96 it's a high, highly scoring game. It's one of the, the best games of all time. It's tied no for the question. third highest uh, scored game on Metacritic of all time. It, uh, I could talk about it all night. I couldn't believe how much I like this. I worked this midnight release with Sam, by the way. It was great. I still have my cardboard cutout Joker somewhere in the basement here. Um, we watched The Dark Knight. We had popcorn. People started pouring in. They let me go early because I wanted to play it so bad. Got home, played it for a little bit, had class in the morning, came home, and just binged the heck out of this. Shocking ending. Something you wouldn't believe that they would do in a Batman game. Right. And it was almost to the point where the Rocksteady didn't think they were going to get a third Batman game. So they're like, hey, let's do this. Ends up getting all these perfect scores. And it's funny, I remember them releasing the, the Game of the Year edition, and people thought the game was called 10 out of 10 because the 10 out of 10 was at the top instead of where the the Arkham uh, title and logo should have been. But uh, all these accolades all over the box from from different outlets. I just remember it's it's like my gaming nirvana kind of. I anytime I play it, anytime I hear the sound effects and the anytime that opening scene with Hugo Strange talking to Bruce Wayne plays, I I just get goosebumps. Anytime I hear the the violin/string-based soundtrack i i flash right back to it it's just it was so good and then it had great downloadable content add-ons that were just unbelievable it had easter eggs that you wouldn't believe um to the point where harley quinn was pregnant apparently uh have you ever seen that one no so if you go (laughs) into joker's office and I don't remember how early in the game you can access it, but there's a major fight with Joker early on in the game. If you go back, there is um, 
a birth control test on the floor what that's the positive. Heck? Yes. Like, and then it's actually kind of uncomfortable. <laughs> it is uncomfortable. If you beat the game on the hardest difficulty, um, there's a, I think Harley Quinn is singing to a baby. Um, and basically how she's going to get revenge on the world for oh. the events of the game. Yeah. But it was groundbreaking in the sense that we not only got a good Batman game in 2009 with Arkham Asylum, and it kind of broke that, that curse, if you will. Uh-huh. We got a better game with Arkham City. Not just better, just astounding. It was just it astounding. Was. Um, so I couldn't say enough good things about it. And some some people I've heard recently, too, have, have preferred Arkham Asylum for being a little bit more contained. And that, mm-hmm. hey, you got a great argument there. But Arkham City will just always forever be that game to me that just, uh, I, you know, I'm overdue for a playthrough. Spider-Man this year that came out in September, that kind of scratched that itch a little bit. They took great influence from that game, but they, they made it their own. So it's not just a clone. But now we've got a great Spider-Man franchise, a great Batman franchise. What's next? Yeah. Everyone kind of jokes that they're working on a Superman game. I can't help but wonder if they're working on a Wonder Woman game. Right. That would sell great. So, speaking of things that get delayed and absolutely break my heart. <laughs> Listen, we got a busy year next year. Movies. I don't care. I want it. Wonder Woman. I, I really can't for it next year. So, so, Bond and Wonder Woman. Yeah. November That November was going to be incredible. It was. It's just poof like that. It's gone. Just ruined so, Jeff's life. It's ruined Jeff's life. December is going to have to be all that much better with episode nine now. I, I really do like how the two years that we pick for this each have our personal favorite games, me with Ocarina of Time, you with Arkham City, and we both have purchased each game <laughs> for three different systems. I've had Ocarina of Time on N64, on GameCube, and on 3DS, and you've had Arkham City for PS3, PS4, and what's your... Well, actually, 360 I started with. Oh, okay. Um, I have an Xbox One. Okay. And I take it back. I've actually purchased the game three times. I bought the Game of the Year edition Got right, right, for the 360. But, but still, you so, purchased three times is what so I mean. So three times. Yeah. But who's to say I won't go purchase that collection for PS4? Because the sure. thrill of getting the achievements and trophies is something you can only experience the one time. Right. Because you can't unlock them again. So that that might be happening. I might go do that after yeah. this. <laughs> Ocarina of Time on N64. I got the Master Quest on GameCube, and then I got the 3D version for 3DS. So it's funny. I feel, feel you. I think we're drawn to these years because of those games. I, I, particularly. I, I, I'll guarantee you there's some kind of subconscious thing going on there. Um, and in the rest of the, the fall, so I, I mentioned a lot of good games, but um, if I just start in August, Deus Ex Human Revolution to kind of took the uh, the world by storm there. Awesome game. Set forth a future for that franchise. <laughs> Amazing game. Uh, how could we forget Duke Nukem Forever? Uh, <laughs> easily, quite actually. So I red boxed that game because you, I was like, I have to play. You, I have to. You poor soul. It was a dollar, so I played it and I got a freaking trophy. So now I've got a permanent blip on my my PlayStation Network record there. Um, Speaking of souls. Speaking of Souls, oh, was it the was it the first? It was the first Dark, it was Souls, Dark game. Souls game. Spiritual successor to Tony, Demon Souls. Tony Foz and I worked that midnight release. Uh, was that the, that was the same day as NHL 12? It was. Two so, very very different kinds of gaming experience. I only remember because we were doing the NHL midnight release, and then like two people came in, but not for NHL, and it was for Dark Souls. And I'm like, really? <laughs> and uh, sure enough, here we are, Dark Souls three and. Uh, you know, it spawns games like Bloodborne. Right. And we're getting the, the collections for the original games. Dark Souls coming to Switch. It's just unbelievable. Unbelievable. Um, 
for September, what did we get? We got uh, Resistance 3 is not really worth talking about too much. Dead Island. That was a craze for a while. I had so many friends on my Xbox gamers list, or uh, friends list, that just were playing that co-op like there was no tomorrow. It was okay by yourself, but co-op, it was a blast. Mm. When was Modern Warfare 3 that year? Um, this Was Modern Warfare this year? I thought it was 2011, yeah. Hang on, I'm pulling it. Yeah, you're right. You are right. It would have been November. Okay. I'm scrolling down. There's so many games compared to what you... Yeah. So, November 8th. Gotcha. It came out. Uh, let's see. Earlier that year would have been also one of my favorite underrated games, L.A. Noir. Ah, uh, yes. So, that came out. Uh, we just got remakes of that last year, which was really exciting. I would love a sequel of that. I really would. Um, but Rockstar's got their hands busy right now. <laughs> I don't blame them. I'm just kind of scrolling through here for some other notable releases. Uh, Guns, <laughs> the Gunslinger came out for Xbox 360 Connect. I was telling Pavlik we got a Thor and a Captain America game, but unfortunately this was pre-Avengers and those games were not very good. Uh, it depends who you ask. I think Seth likes the Captain America game. Yeah, Seth but likes Seth likes everything. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Resident Evil 4 HD we got on 360. That was kind of a big deal. <laughs> Resident Evil 4, a.k.a. the other Skyrim that gets released on every system. Pretty much. Coming pretty out on the Switch. What? Yeah. <laughs> Are you serious? I'm dead serious. Oh, my gosh. I didn't know that. They made a mobile version of it. And when I say mobile, I'm talking like pre-2012 mobile. Like back when it was flip phones kind of mobile. <laughs> Oh man, that game—that's another that's like Skyrim. That game's been released on every system possible. Yeah, that just keeps coming out. <laughs> um, October eighteenth. This is um, not a, not a huge one, but we got Payday the Heist. That was popular at the time. Spawned a, a sequel just a few years later. Um, let's see. We had the last, pretty much last new Ratchet and Clank game, other than the reboot. We had All for One, Rocksmith. So we talked about the the adventure or the rhythm genre. Rocksmith is a game I actually really want to get into. That was uh, that you plug your guitar, your actual guitar or bass into your Xbox and PlayStation, and uh, it'll actually teach you how to play. Some value in that. Oh, let's see. Battlefield 3 was the other prominent one I was looking for. I, I really enjoyed Battlefield 3. That was my favorite one. And I remember all of us campaigning that year for Battlefield 3 sales to just take over Call of Duty. <laughs> so anytime someone would come in for a pre-order, we'd be like, no, no, you got to get Battlefield 3. Um, I just remember talking about the game and how sniping was just this unreal challenge and the, the bullets would curve in the wind. And it was just, it was the most beautiful shooter to date, I think. The Call of Duty games were always great, but Battlefield just made it look stunning. Obviously, on, on today's systems, everything looks pretty good. But back then, you really needed that edge. Believe it or not, November 1st, the Lord of the Rings game came out. Uh, War in the North was very, very mediocre at best. Uh, uh, I couldn't play more than an hour before I was like, this is garbage, and I love Lord of the Rings. Uh, the good news is we got Shadow of Mordor a few years later, which ended up uh, being one of the, the better games out there. Uncharted, we already talked about. We got Call of Duty, uh, da, 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 Metal Gear Solid HD collection that was bringing all of those to the PS3 and Xbox 360. Who could forget the Black Eyed Peas experience? Just kidding. Uh, also, November 13th, Assassin's Creed Revelations. We talked about this pre-show. Um, I think it was one of the more revered, actually, games in the franchise. You remember it differently. I I would have played... I started my Assassin's Creed Conquest at Brotherhood. So a lot of people will say Assassin's Creed 2 was one of the best in the franchise. I enjoyed Revelations. 
Um, I thought it was a really satisfying arc before everything broke loose with Assassin's Creed 3. Before that, everything was a nice contained story, and then every now we get these sequels that don't really connect year in, year out. Also, on the same day we got Halo, or, uh, November 15th, Halo Combat Evolved Anniversary. That was a big deal because you could play Halo multiplayer for the first time on Xbox Live. Right, right. The original Halo. Uh, yeah. They redid the maps, and they did this later with the Master Chief Collection on Xbox One. But this original Combat Evolved, one of my favorite features, if you hit the select or the back button, it would have the original graphics pop up. And you could keep moving without yeah. losing or loading, anything like that. The uh, the contrast in the original graphics to the modern-day revamped graphics, unbelievable. Well, the online also worked as opposed to the yeah, Master it took, Chief Collection. It took a while with uh, the Master Chief Collection, which is unbelievable. But uh, the last title I wanted to mention that was super underrated, but one of the better titles of the year, Saints Row the Third. What a blast of a game that was. You know, GTA clone as it goes, but this one just kind of went crazy. Right. That was when the series kind of went goofy and just completely bonkers, right? They decided <laughs> to go from serious, kind of like um, you'd have these gangs in the previous ones. This one was just a bunch of goofballs. And essentially, it stems into Saints Row 4, where they run for president. It's hilarious. I have Saints Row 4. I paid like 7 bucks for it. It's sitting in my Xbox library, so I'll get to it at some point. But the gist here is 2011 was a, just a jam-packed year. And uh, you know, I'll for, forever remember it as one of my favorite times in gaming. It was the first time where I was going and getting a new game just about every other week. And here we are all these years later, because it, you know, it's kind of our job at the Geekiverse to be up on these games. But... It, it was that was the start of it for me so we want to hear from you as well the the listener tell us on social media again it's facebook.com slash the geekiverse twitter we are at the underscore geekiverse tell us your favorite year in gaming we'd love to hear your thoughts tell us why tell us what your favorite game was uh we'd love to get into that discussion we're also on reddit uh if you go to uh welcome to geekland well, we'd be happy to talk to you there in a non-hostile subreddit, by the way, to those of you who are scared to get on Reddit. Yes, they do exist. Uh, they do exist. I'd be remiss also if I'm scrolling down here. December 20th, Star Wars The Old Republic came out for PC. That was BioWare's uh, MMORPG. I played that for a, a little bit on, on computer, but I tell you, I would have lost some serious time if it ever came to Xbox One and PS4. Um, I'm hoping one day we get a Star Wars game like that but it was very much the spiritual successor to Knights of the Old Republic back in the early 2000s. So, Pavlak, is there anything we didn't cover? I think I think we went over everything. No, we uh, we nailed our years pretty well, I think. We did. We are the scholars for 1998 and 2011 in terms of gaming. What, uh, what year would you have said if you didn't pick 2011? Oh, man. I know, I easy, I know easier said than done. <laughs> It's hard enough picking one, let alone you know two serious contenders. We've hit some really, really great recent years, but I would say probably um, 2007 comes to mind. Yeah. Uh, that was when the a, 360 a and PS3 era were really getting going. A lot of people say that, um, and that's a good year. Yeah, it would, would have been, I think, the first Assassin's Creed was 07. I think so, too. Would have had the first Uncharted, if I remember correctly. Yes, because like PS3 and Wii were just hitting like their first years with that, their first holidays, I should say. That was the uh, a good year for new IPs. Yes. Um, was Gears? Gears might have been 06. It I'm was thinking a, it back. It was 06. 
Okay. Because Xbox had the year ahead of PS3 and Wii. Gotcha, gotcha. So, yeah, that was, I mean, that was another good one. That No doubt about it. But um, what would you say? I would have said 2006, ironically enough. <laughs> so we bridged the gap there a little bit. Yeah. Twilight Princess on, on Wii, which launched that first year. Wii Sports, 82 million copies goes on to sell. When I look at 2006, I look at a year where probably the last year where you had this many systems still relevant. You had the Wii, you had Xbox 360 settling in, you had PS3 launching. PS2 was still really, really churning out a lot of great games back then, despite PS3 coming on. Um, you had Okami, Final Fantasy XII, Guitar Hero 2, which I don't know about you, but I think oh I think I think Guitar Hero 2 is still the best one in that series. Probably. Yeah. I mean, talk think about this and in, in all your gaming friends and even to a larger extent, just your non gaming friends. Is there anyone you know that hasn't played either Guitar Hero 2 or went Wii Bowling? Right. No. Like everybody has played at least one of those, if not both. Those two games transcended video games they 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 broke out of the, of the medium <laughs> they did and those i would say were huge advocates for making those th- that console generation the longest one right because the 360 was going strong as late as just a few years ago mm-hmm. and the wii was hard to keep in stock for the longest time i remember having to get it on <laughs> i think about lauren's on ebay yeah when it first started and, and paying a premium for it. Well, you had people playing video games who had never touched video games before, never even thought of it, whether it was the Wii or, like you said, uh, Guitar Hero, something oh, like that. Guitar Hero was you know, such a fun time. And, and, you know, Lauren, Jamie, and I would play that constantly. You'd have the, and then it spurned Rock Band a few years later. Uh, 2008, I think, was the, the first Rock Band, unless it was... I think was, it might have actually been 2007. It was seven or eight. It was seven or eight. I could be wrong about that, but it wasn't very long later. No, and uh, it's just you have these nights dedicated to it. And that was the mm-hmm. pre-DLC days, by the way. Right. So now you can buy as many songs as you want. They're still pumping out Rock Band 4 d- DLC. But can you imagine how much money they would have made back then if I you could have had all these extras for Guitar Hero? 100%. Jeez, uh, Guitar Hero 2. Uh, that, that song list was one of the strongest in, in any music game ever. Good times, good times. We'd love to reminisce here uh, at the Geekiverse, obviously. You know what else was really big in 2006? The handhelds. DS and PSP were both going very, very strong. Oh, man. And you look at, you know, you you had the generation where only 3DS was relevant in the handheld sphere, and now you got this generation where 3DS is just about on its last legs. So it's, it's almost bittersweet to look back at 2006 and you see, you know, new Super Mario Brothers on on DS, Elite Beat Agents. PSP had a lot. PSP had Siphon Filter, Dark Mirror, Metal Gear Solid Portable Ops, Daxter, Loco Roco. It had, had a Call Grand of Theft Duty, Auto game. Yes. I believe. Um, uh, Tekken Resurrection, Dark Resurrection. There was a Star Wars Battlefront, a few Star Wars Battlefronts that came out for it. PSP sold very, very well. I think it finished with like 82 million units sold or something like that. It's really mind-boggling. It's one of the biggest things I can't find an explanation for in how the Vita failed so hard. Right. And it only ended up selling... I don't even know if it hit 10 million units. No, it did. I think it was like 15 million. Okay. Something like that. It's just I it's think a shame. It, as sad as it is, I think it actually outsold the Wii U. Oh, okay. <laughs> which, I got gotcha. you. Which is the ultimate, I, you know, I just got to humili- humiliatingly concede that one. I guess it kind of goes to show that you can't produce your next system based on, on the... On the previous. Uh, yeah, on the marketing of the, the previous one and ride that wave. But the Vita was better in every way than its predecessor. 
I might I might not argue that the Wii U, what, even though it was better, sure. I think the marketing with that was more confusing because yeah. it was like, is this really a new Wii? What's going on? Mm-hmm. They could have called it Wii Two, and yeah. maybe people would have you know let on because you you were saying a lot of people that bought the Wii, the majority were probably non gamers. Mm-hmm. So when the Wii U came out, it was not for them. No, uh, unfortunately. But hey, it spawned the Switch, which is one of the greatest Love systems it. of all time. I would say. Can't wait for twenty nineteen. Yeah. Yeah, um, it's funny that you mentioned that, man. There's a, there's a lot of good stuff coming up, but uh, lots going on at thegeekiverse.com. We're gonna wrap up today's show there. Jeff, why don't you plug a few things that are going on? Uh, you've been busy at the Geekiverse lately. Yeah, uh, like I said earlier in the show, I got my review of season two for Castlevania. It only feels appropriate to plug that on the video game podcast. Um, even if you've never played a single Castlevania game in your life, I recommend watching this show. It is an awesome awesome dark fantasy series so uh, so far probably the best animation you'll find outside of japanese anime and even then it stands toe-to-toe with it this animation is just gorgeous and the fight choreography man it's like something out of man of steel like it the some of the fights that they've done the choreography is just incredible it's it's live action blockbuster quality it's uh, it's getting rave reviews obviously one of those from yourself yeah and uh, one more thing, if you don't mind. Of course. This month, we are celebrating the 20th anniversary of Ocarina of Time. So Sammy Woo-hoo. B and I will be getting together for some kind of uh, retrospective on that game. I look forward to we'll, it. We'll have something written up for that as we look back on you know 20 years later. That game is still so close to our hearts, especially for me. As you mentioned, 1998, a big year in gaming. So these, uh, this 20th anniversary is a 20th anniversary for a lot right. of <laughs> franchises out there. Yeah. Franchises and games uh, individually. Uh, myself, you can find. Uh, also, where can we find you on social media? If oh, I didn't uh, ask. at Twitter. Uh, sorry, on Twitter at Jeffrey Pavs and on Instagram Jeff Pavlock. If you type in at Twitter, you just see a picture of Pavlock's face. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we've all made that gaff every once in a while. My bad. Uh, I am at Josiah D. Leroy. You can find me there talking about all things geek and, of course, the Buffalo Sabers, who still, as of November fifth, are in a playoff spot. We're tied with the Canadian this team is going to drive me up a wall. This season. drive me to drink. Uh, I'll tell you, but you know what? They're fun to watch. And uh, especially that nine, two schlacking of the, the senators the other day was great. Schlacked a bunch of schlamazels. <laughs> yeah. Jack Schleichel. It was great. So, uh, <laughs> uh, if you like hockey, you'll, you'll always find Pavlak and I talking about hockey. In addition to all your favorite uh, movies and games. Let's do that hockey. Let's do that hockey. So, um, I have had a lot going on at the Geekiverse. Uh, if you like movies, I've reviewed quite a bit lately. You can check out my reviews for Bohemian Rhapsody, which is a movie of the year contender for myself. I think only uh, only a handful ahead of it, uh, one of which would be Infinity War, but we'll find out. Uh, next month, we've got the Geek Awards. Uh, we've got to start talking about that again. Uh, get a ballot together. Oh, gosh, that time of year. Yeah, it's that time of year. I can't, It hit me the other day. I was like, I better start getting, uh, getting to work on these. Feels like just yesterday. I was... Staying up and getting that done. But here we are. So uh, I also reviewed uh, The Nutcracker in the Four Realms. And by the time this is live, you'll have uh, hopefully read my review for the newest iteration of The Grinch. Uh, so, yep, the holidays are upon us once again. We're almost there. You don't have to listen to, to Christmas music yet if you don't want to. But uh, anyway. Also, gaming-wise, lots going on. We've got a bunch of game reviews up, and uh, some of the titles that we mentioned as our picks of the month, we will have reviews for there. Uh, Proud to also mention our partner, Fantistic. That's F-A-N-T-E-E-S-T-I-C. 
They make great t-shirts. Uh, if you go to 26shirts.com slash fantastic, you can find a new geek-themed shirt every week, whether it's a movie, a video game. They're fun parody t-shirts. I've got a really good idea from one that I mentioned to you last week. I think we're going to do it Yeah. regarding God of War. Uh, boy. Oh, yes. So, yes, now I remember it. Don't take my idea. Anyway, hopefully that's going to happen. Anyway, uh, if you go and make a purchase, a portion of that goes to a family in need or a charity. Uh, so they're going to outline those details right at the website. That's, again, 26shirts.com slash fantastic. If you use our special code GEEK10, it's G-E-E-K-T-E-N, you get 10% off of your order. So, Pavlok, there's something we failed to to mention last podcast, and it's kind of left us in the dark a little bit. I don't really, uh, I don't know, fumbling around here, wish we're, we had something that would help us kind of keep those lights on. Uh, what in the world helps us keep the lights Could on? Could people help us in any way, shape, hmm. or form? Let me, let, me, uh, let me peruse for a minute. Okay, don't patronize me. So anyway, go to uh, patreon.com slash thegeekiverse. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com slash thegeekiverse. And you can actually help us out. For as little as $1 a month, you can help us keep said lights on. It's great because we don't want to write and produce content for you in the dark. We're not that kind of company. Anyway, uh, for as little as a dollar a month, you can subscribe and unlock specific perks for the different subscription levels. We'd appreciate the consideration. Take a look there. There is exclusive content coming uh, for the different levels, so keep an eye out on that. We would greatly appreciate it. Couldn't believe I forgot to mention it last uh, last podcast. I had no idea where you were going with that. You, you picked up. Yeah, you I, picked up. I had no idea I know. where you were. I, I'm like, oh, my God, what I, is he going I with? wouldn't lead you astray. I, I got you there. You would, you would think that was rehearsed, but it was good. It was almost like when we did the Steve Blum thing you know, oh yeah feeding <laughs> off of each other that was fantastic that was a lot of fun uh so we'd appreciate that visit us on all of our social media we'll end today's episode with another uh iteration of jojo's jukebox which is a song submitted by the fan community we'll list the credits right there in the link on soundcloud and on itunes and for mr pavlock i'm josiah Leroy. thanks again for listening we'll catch you next month Take what's ours, carve our name up in the stars We've been at this so 
coming for